from the pages of the DRaysBay.com blog. Welcome to The Hit Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Hit Show. Uh, my name is Darby. Joined with me this week is Brett Phillips. How are you doing, Brett? I'm doing pretty great. I'm back again, and you guys can't get rid of me. I'm like something that sticks on the bottom of your shoe. Yes. Now we're, we're keep cycling out Danny and Derby, but the but now Brett has become the mainstay, and we're yeah. just uh, we're now the platoon. It's now the Danny Darby platoon, righty lefty, um, used as we need to be. To it's a bummer maximize. when your third best player is the uh, the third best player is the player that plays every day. But doesn't that kind of describe the uh, Bay race season? Yeah, I feel like it's, you know, it's as perfect as it could be. Um, Yes, so uh, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, just to level set, or if you're going to be listening to this, you know, years from now, which I would love for somebody to be a completist of the uh, Hit Show podcast, uh, It today is uh, September 17th, 2017. The Rays finished up uh, their last series with the Boston Red Sox uh, with a win. So, hey, there's something. Uh, three to two, uh, narrow victory. Got to see David Price uh, in relief for Boston. Um, <laughs> uh, that's, that's that's never that's never going to sit right with me. No, but the, hey, the last time he was in relief in the Trop, uh, good things happened for the Rays, so that was fun. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of sad to see him with Boston again. I feel like I, I I sort of threw this out in our Slack chat how it how depressing it is to watch guys like Carl Crawford and David Price play for like the Red Sox and be super mm-hmm. miserable. Uh, it's one of those things where though um, one of, one of our editors uh, Lizzie basically said like, it's hard to feel that sorry for them because they did choose on their own free will to get a crap ton of money from a team <laughs> and go to a place. Um, but it's more, it's more for me. It's a very selfish pity right it's not so much that i feel bad for them because you know their bottom line is doing great and they chose that over what else they could do i just i don't like to see players who are so full of life especially crawford and price like these are the guys that have like you know all the great emotion and and, you know feel of the rays and to see them like just broken physically mentally with the red Sox and the crushing uh media and fan you know hate and uh i mean they weren't you know they haven't played up to standards you know they haven't played up to the salary that they were given by the red sox of course neither should have been given that much money in the begin with so that was sort of boston's front office part part um but you know the fans they're always a little extra extra tough on well players that didn't come up through the boston system and players that but aren't white uh, let's just, you know, that's, that's, I will that's say, I will say that it's crazy. I, I talked to my friend the other day about like, we were having an argument about Ray, like the Rays being a farm to system for the AL East or whatever. And I brought up the notion that I think the last person that was traded interdivisionally, uh, before Tim Beckham, not going to bring that up again, really. <laughs> I'm talk about that, ah, but, the pain. <laughs> before that, I think was like Kelly Johnson, the Rays yeah. tend not to trade interdivisionally. You know, they don't – David Price went to the Tigers before he went to the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. You know, Carl Crawford was gone in free agency. You know, the Rays aren't farm systems for these teams. They go and they get like a ton of money. And I was even talking about Carl Crawford. I'm like, 
people forget that Carl Crawford had was on pace, you know, to have possibly a Hall of Fame career. I mean, he was hitting pretty much league average for the entire, like I say league average, I say his WRC was like around hovering around 100. He had elite defense in left field. He was a fr- the franchise player for the Rays, of course, for the longest time. And he stole every base in the world. He stole like six bases in a game. And he had the, he was this dynamic, fun, amazing player. And, and, you know, not even, he went to Boston and, and people tended, you know, he didn't succeed well there. I mean, he did for the first year, but then, and then he goes to the Dodgers and then it's, you know, even that is bad. And I just, it, Carl Crawford is, is one of the biggest, not the biggest, but for a race fan he, as a career as a whole, it's a pretty big, what if, I mean, you've got like Townsend, you've got Wade Townsend and you've got Carl Crawford, Carl Crawford's career could have been, there, there could have been a bronze plaque of Carl Crawford in a, in a hall somewhere, and now he's sort of like kind of an afterthought, and in some circles, kind of a joke, which is a huge shame. Um, though, so that is why I do feel bad for the play. my fandom. Darby, I agree, is is usually very selfish. I uh, <laughs> I mostly want to see the team win because I want to be happy, and it's a zero sum game in many of these cases. But guys like Crawford and Price, who you like you said, are so full of life, man, it it, it hurts. Gosh, it hurts to see that. It does. It really does. And I, it's one of those things where I guess, you know, every player is different. Um, but you, you do see some players choose uh, free in free agency. Free agency is not really an auction. And there are players that will leave money on the table to go to a, a, a situation that works for them. <laughs> uh, on smaller scales, you see guys like Sergio Romo who's now really, you know, kind of revitalized his season with the Rays. Uh, the Rays, from all reports, actually offered Romo more money than the Dodgers, but Romo really wanted to stay uh, on the West Coast. He's a California guy, um, and he wanted to stay closer to his family, his friends, like, and his home state. So, like, that's that's understandable, um, mm-hmm. you know. And I think there's something to be respected about that, Uh Obviously, you know, baseball doesn't really have the same problem that like basketball does right now, where everybody's kind of uh, you have like the Kevin Durant situation where he goes to Golden State and everybody's like, you know, oh, he's bandwagoning, jumping on the winning team. And then you have uh-huh. the same people like really hating on Kyrie Irving for for being like, I want to be my own man on a different team and then getting out of Cleveland. Everyone's like, ah, oh, boo. It's like, ah, oh, what do you yeah. I don't know what you want with baseball. We don't really have that so much. Uh, it is sort of like whoever offers the biggest pile of cash um but i always wonder like how much of that like how much does like location how much does you know team fit and all that sort of really fit in and uh i don't know how much you'd actually ever get real answers from players because you really can't say like well i'm not going to go to the yankees because i really like beards and i don't want to shave because uh, <laughs> that would make that player look weird uh <laughs> but sure. i would be like you know what i damn respect that that's fantastic um, yeah, so I, yeah. I Sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just saying, like it, it. It's it's one thing to you know see these guys, you know, go get paid. That's that's part of the game. That's the that's the life as a Rays fan. It's another to see them, you know, not succeed, but not just not succeed, but not succeed and get torn down in the process. The the idea that the like the this huge amount of fans and big spotlight, you know, microphone sports media are going to basically be like, well, David Price is a terrible pitcher. And Carl Crawford is a, a garbage left fielder. And they're just bad players. 
And like that's that's what hurts. It's like it's just tearing down that like no, you guys paid them too much. The pressure's too high, and they're not performing quite as well as you'd hoped. And you're like tearing it all down. But but this is the biggest spotlight, so that's what people remember. Just as like even a pitcher who I can think the only pitcher I can think in recent memory that's even living up to his insane contract. Is, I mean, other than like Clayton Kershaw, who's a superhuman person, but I think of like the Max Scherzer contract, right? Mm-hmm. Like Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw, are, you know, one one a in you know West, uh, almost said West Coast NL pitching, and Scherzer's insane contract, which you know was as we know was kind of like little bit of fancy footwork contract wise and it's deferred so it's actually not as much money or whatever it's all good but like seven years 210 million dollars or whatever is a lot of money and yet he still he pitches very very well and so david price would almost i mean he didn't get that same level of contract but he kind of has to would have to pitch to scherzer levels or kershaw levels to seemingly justify his contract if we're going to like compare contracts across the leagues and boy you can't expect anyone to do that it, no, it's totally true. And I think that's always the expectations of free agency, which I feel like the Rays, you know, we we have so few times that we've jumped into like the free agency pool that the, those times really stick out to us. But we're not, you know, as fans of the Rays, we're not as accustomed to the crushing disappointment of signing a guy and having them flop. You know, we'll trade for people and they don't really work out. But, you know, we still remember Pat Burrell and that that, you know, <laughs> terrible disaster. And and that's like the only time that was a two year, $18 million deal. That was ours. And we're still like, ah, we're still hurting. Yeah. Um, imagine if it was a $200 million, like one that you're paying forever or, you know, you got them or you, or you become the Mets and then you become immune to everything. Like every year you have the Bobby Bonilla contract day where you give them $2 million and you're just like, ah, I get it. I know we, we screwed it up. I think contract <laughs> problems are the only thing the Mets clubhouse is immune to. Everything else they seem to get injured for. I yeah. think Noah Syndergaard, yeah. Noah Syndergaard lost all his hair in a freak accident, and I don't know if he's going to be ready by spring training. I don't know, man. It's a small grease fire just in his hair. <laughs> Classic uh, Mets. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, we say goodbye to David Price. Um, we'll probably see him in the postseason. And uh, not, not the Rays. We'll just see him on television uh, <laughs> from from uh our homes because the rays it's not official um but it's a fish it's done it's it with the rays are not going to the postseason um it's just they just Sorry never that for everyone i don't know if they felt if they had a strong opinion on it but it's like i mean it's not over till it's over but it's over yeah too many they they really just had i mean even like last week there was a chance. Um, well, maybe not last week. Before the last uh, Boston series, there was a chance going into the twin or going into the series home series against the Twins. The Rays took the first two, and it really felt like maybe if they get the sweep there and and win like these next three series, uh, two against Boston, one against the Yankees, like the Rays might actually be in it so that those last few games could could you know make some noise. Mm-hmm. Um, even then, it was going to be tough, though. Uh, even then, it's it's there's so many teams, and we were sort of talking about that. It, it seemed like that August was an insurmountable. Um, going into September, the Rays weren't out of it. In fact, they got back to like two games back um, on September 5th, I believe. But it was still such a long shot because there were so many things that had to go right. Not only did the Rays have to win so much against so many good teams. 
they also had to have people lose. And yeah. and that just it just didn't happen. And uh, there's a lot to blame. We'll do a, a end of year sort of, I guess, autopsy and uh, and a look to 2018 uh, in a future cast. Um, but for right now, you know, the Rays are are they're they're basically done. And uh, Jim Turvey, um, who's a fantastic writer, and I talk about his stuff all the time because he's just always writes something I want to read. Uh, on on D Rays Bay has a really good article basically about saying goodbye to to the 2017 and 2017 Rays season and and why you know maybe like a, it's a very therapeutic um, article so I definitely urge everybody to uh, check that out. It sucks that the season's over and we still have a few you know weeks left, but I do think there is a certain sense that the pain of the season, the frustration might still be there. But now that it's like done, it's like, all right, whatever. Let's, you know, down the stretch, what kind of things can we look forward to? Um, well, Brett, the the Rays still technically could get to 500. Um, yes. We haven't been a 500 ball club since 2013. So can the Rays get to 500? I absolutely think the Rays can get to 500. I think that's a... A very manageable goal. I mean, you, you said it too, Darby. I wanted to touch on this. We, you know, in the beginning of the season, especially towards the All-Star break, we were looking at these last three series or so with the Red Sox and the Orioles and the Yankees and especially the Orioles. And we're thinking, oh, man, this would be a great – this is going to be a great wild card battle. We're going to get some, like the, – the, the, these are the way the Rays can, like, come back and do some stuff and it's going to be coming down to the wire and – it's a shame that it is still going to be a kind of battle with the Orioles, but it's going to be a battle for not only third place in the AL East, but for 500 as both of the teams are sort of hovering right around 500. And, and, you know, at this point it's almost again, like a zero sum game where one's got to win, one's got to lose. And it's, it's going to be hard for both of them, for both of us to, to do it. And, and I, I do think the race can, I mean, you know, I've been saying I do think the Rays can dot, dot, dot for the past <laughs> two months. But, you know, the Rays can make it to 500. The Rays absolutely can make it to 500. The Rays have that talent. I mean, the pitching's getting a little bit better. The offense has, of course, turned around a bit in September. Um, we're getting into the point in the season where each the, the stretch of games is basically it's basically based on luck. You know, we're we're almost like in a playoff length. We're, if we're trying to determine the outcome of, is it is it ten games left in the season or nine? Maybe even maybe more. I'm it's, not sure. Uh, it's twelve. There's twelve games yeah. left. Um, the, here here's the games that are left. Here's the series. Just uh, just to level set for everybody. And so for you uh, listening to this, um, you know, th- throw us a throw us a comment. What you think the Rays are going to happen? Uh, and try to keep the expletives to a minimum. Um, so the the next series tomorrow's a day off. So the 18th is a day off. Then the Rays have a home two games against the Chicago Cubs. Then a road four game series against the Baltimore Orioles. Then a three game road series against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. Uh, the Yankees get to comfortably play in Yankee Stadium and not City Field uh, from that last road trip the Yankees had to go on. What a whole bunch of bullshit that was. Yeah, but that was really I, bad. <laughs> I digress. Um, uh, like cascades of 20,000 people booing the home crowd for like every, like, thanks, thanks, MLB. I get it's a difficult situation, whatever, but 
you know, the Rays handle it with great aplomb, like Danny was saying last week. They didn't complain. You know what? I am not classy. I'm not as classy <laughs> as that. And I think it's a great big bag of bullshit. Um, so they get to play the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. So second home series for the Yankees. Good for them. Uh, and then they finish up the season at home at the Trop uh, against the Orioles. So Cubs, Orioles, Yankees, Orioles. Uh Tough, you know, you know. At any point, at, the Rays can win any any of those games at, at a certain point. Where again, we're like, eh, well, you know what? It, who knows if Austin Pruitt can shut down Dallas Keuchel and Chris not shut down, but beat Dallas Keuchel and, and go to toe to toe with Chris Sale? Then who knows? I mean, anything can happen. But it, it definitely is. It, it's a it's a <laughs> it's a shitty door prize compared to what we thought would be like a wild card race at the end of the season. And it sort of leaves a, a bitter taste in your mouth, which is the maybe the epitaph on the 2017 race season, a bitter taste in your mouth. It, it's so tough. So the Rays have to, they're 73 and 77 right now. So that means they would have to go, if they went eight and four in these last 12, uh, they would get to 82 wins yep. or they would get to 81 wins. Sorry. Um, so that would, they need to go eight and four to not have a losing season. So anything more than that. And they have a winning season uh anything less and it's a losing season so it's tough they they have to play well above 500 baseball down the stretch the the (laughs) i'm rooting for them to get to 500 mostly because they're at this point you know we're talking about like the 13th pick or so where the rays are at right now maybe uh and if they went out they might be like the 16th pick like draft position at that situation for mlb that that really doesn't mean that much uh, I think having a winning record would mean more um, to these the, to this team uh, because they really do, you know, they don't, they you know, you deserve the record you get, but this team is a much better team than what they've shown. They've had so many close losses, so many games where, you know, one of the games against Boston, they <laughs> beat Chris Sale. They, they knocked him out of the game on a Hechevaria home run and a Peter Borges triple, and Boston yanked the ball out of his hands and he went and found the team store and tore up as many jerseys as possible in rage. <laughs> and they gave a three run lead to the leading save man in all of baseball, Alex Colomay. And he blew it like immediately. He couldn't have, couldn't have rushed faster to blow that game. And Kevin without, tried so hard to like have him not blow it, but like, yeah, basically Colomay was like, I want to give up nine runs this inning. Like how much? And Kiermaier was trying his best. He makes one of the best catches of the season to still give him a chance. And he was like, Nope, no, I really do want to blow this save. Please <laughs> let me blow this. Uh, so yeah, it, it, that was like frustrating. Cause that's like, this is the team that can beat Chris sale with a, with a squad of Peter, with, you know, Peter Borg, or just Danny Hitchavria in the five hole, Trevor Plouffe in the cleanup spot, uh, <laughs> Caesar Puello um, in the ninth hole, which makes a lot of sense, uh, and Danny Espinoza as well, who also caused an error to help lose the game. Uh, well, honestly, you're describing what sounds like knockoff candies at like an Aldi <laughs> or, or an off-brand grocery. That you, I mean, the, the who these names. <laughs> are names that I like recognize in a fever dream. Oh, I got a Puella bar. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, not an Espinoza. They're full of nuts. Yeah, it's just like semi-sweet chocolate wrapped around almonds. 
just a big pile <laughs> of almonds, unsalted <laughs> almonds. Which yeah, um, yeah. So like, but that's the team. This is a team that could take that with uh, with Matt Andrees pitching and and then a mostly bullpen game and beat Chris Sale. You know, you have your best closer now in, and you have your best reliever, and he he blows it. Which you know, that's that's mm, that's baseball. That's relievers. Uh, but like that that should be a win. You know, a three run lead in the ninth. That's a save. You know, well over nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. And that's against Chris Sale. So that's what this team can do. Uh, they also can lose badly against some random person who's making their debut. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Rays went 12 and 0 down the stretch. It would be like a, a kind of a, a almost like a, a sick joke in a way. I would feel <laughs> good because it's like, hey, 85 wins. Man, what? Why wasn't that like a week earlier? Where was this like, team in August? Um, because that would be a very raised way to end the season is like really surge, get to like 85 wins, finish about like, like two or three bout and be like, ah, so close. And it's like, oh man, we can pick all the games that could have been switched. Um, (laughs) yeah, I, I don't think they're going to get to 500 personally. I think this team, uh, not to be pessimistic or anything. It's just, you know, this team hasn't gotten a sweep They've gotten one sweep on the season, and it was in like the third week of the the year or second week in the year against Detroit. They have not had another sweep all year. Um, they and that's including two game series. So just you know, picturing like what they could do, uh, you know, splitting some of these series, you're still looking at um, you're still looking at like maybe four or five losses. And I, you know, the, the Rays just aren't this lucky this year. So I, I feel like they're going to fall just short. I feel like they're going to get, like, something like 80 wins, mm-hmm. which is, like, good. But, oh, there's, like, so many games that you can look back and say, like, that should have been a win. And it wasn't. And there's a lot of things that we can think about, like, what, what could have been. You know, we've talked about um, uh, Brent Honeywell, who is not coming up. Um, nope. The, well, we're about to talk about Durham uh their season officially will end on Tuesday, um, but th- when that happens, there will be some, some people called up. One of those people will not be Brent Honeywell. He yeah. he will make a like a you know the side eyes emoji on Twitter. Um, he's going to retweet other people that get called up uh, late in the season, and right. uh, and hopefully next year we will see uh, that marvelous screwball. Yeah, it's passive aggression. Brent Honeywell is the most like side-eyeing, passive aggressive person on Twitter, and I 100% do not blame him at all in the slightest. He's like a, he's a master of just retweeting when ML, MILB says, "Oh, top prospect Walker Bueller from the Dodgers just got called up today." And he's like, "Oh, look at this. That's pretty cool." I it's it's I mean, you know, I mean, I've We've talked about it. If if you want to hear like my and I guess also Darby's opinion on the whole thing, go listen to basically any other episode <laughs> of the podcast in the past month and a half. Um, I I understand the decision to not call it Brent Honeywell. I hate it. Uh, I don't want. I didn't want it to be a thing. I Brent Honeywell is. I at, when I went to uh, when when I was invited to the MLB All Star Game. With the blog, I actually got the chance to interview Brent Honeywell alongside Mark Tompkins, so I felt like a real reporter. And Brent Honeywell legitimately seems like a very genuine, hysterical person. And he, when he pitched in the Futures game, and he ended up getting the MVP 
Uh, he is a he's very funny, and he's kind of exactly what you what you think he is. Um, unless he's very very good at acting, which who knows? Maybe he is. And I, he's one of those personalities that you get excited about too. Uh, he's like a personality who who's it was a little more than like. I understand, you know, rookies being like, "Hey, I'm coming up. I'm just doing my job. I want to have the team win." It's like uh, at the end of the end of Bull Durham when Nuke Luce just says the exact same things that Crash Davis tells him to say at the end of the interview. Uh, Brent Honeywell puts a little bit of flair on that, and he's going to be not only an exciting pitching prospect for his skill and talent, but because he's like a legitimate media personality. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, you know, Durham keeping him down in Durham the entire season is. Good for Durham, but not the best for the Rays, and definitely a sign that the 2017 season was – they weren't all in on the 2017 season. See, I, I agree. I, I think uh, – and it's hard to say that they weren't all in, but, man, it's hard not to say that. Like yeah. – it's really hard not to say that just because how, how do you leave that guy? Yeah. You know, all on the bench. It um, really makes you wonder like what, if there's really something that we're not seeing that the Rays are seeing that make them think that he's not ready for the majors, because it's such a conspicuous, uh, you know, thing. It's Brent mm-hmm. Honeywell. He's the top pitching prospect for the Rays and one of the top prospects in baseball. I, I he hasn't really changed much. I think pitching while I mean his I'm no scout, but his line has been relatively the same for the past two months. He's getting a ton of strikeouts. He's maybe allowing a couple home runs, but he's pitching very solid. There hasn't been mm-hmm. a stark improvement in his in his in his in his strikeouts, um, except when he pitched in the most recent. Uh, uh, Durham Bulls playoff game, and we can talk about that in a little bit. He did very, very well, and was trying. Seemed like he was trying to get called up in the middle of that game. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I, it really makes you wonder if it's like. A, and again, I'm just spitballing here, and this is all speculation. But if it's a, maybe the Rays think it's some sort of attitude thing, maybe they think it's a personality thing. I certainly hope not. I kind of don't think that's true. But I certainly, I'm willing to, I'm big enough to admit that, that I'm working with less knowledge and less information than a major league baseball team. I mean, just at this point, the, the lack of even, you know, it, 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 everyone and their mother and their brother and their father and their siblings want to see Brent Honeywell come up, and yet the Rays aren't doing it. And either that means that they don't care about what other people think, which certainly has to be true to some extent, or they really feel like that something's missing in his development. The other thing um, that it could be, um, and and this is a weird thing. So now this is not like confirmed, but this has been like a widely talked about, um, is that the Rays value uh, basically minor league uh, sort of allowing somebody to to like keep with that team kind of build throughout the season and then finish off what, what they've built on all season. And that includes the playoffs and the postseason. This is a, it's an interesting idea. And, and the idea of that, maybe does that help you more than like getting a few starts in the majors to get ready and missing out on that postseason that you kind of help build towards, even though it's the minor leagues, it's an interesting argument. Um, it, you know, in theory, I can understand it. Uh, but really, 
overall, I, it's, it's just kind of nuts to me. Um, the idea that you would potentially sacrifice even like, like a, like a, a tenth of a win uh, over a replacement level player in the major leagues, if you are contending for the postseason, for the potential of some sort of vague improvement on a, I guess, morale slash like motivation slash maybe maturement. Uh, maturement's not a word. Mature, like, mature. mature. I, we all understood what you uh, meant. <laughs> no, like, like, does that like help you become more of a winner? Like, more prepared for the grind if you've, you know, been in postseason type, you know, quote unquote ball? I, I just well, don't. I- like it seems like I don't know if that's an actual thing. If they're like, I, and the Rays will never like really answer. But I would love to if it was. If it is like a real like strategy. If it's like kind of another extra two percent that the Rays are trying to go for. Like I really would love to know like their reasoning. Yeah, I think <laughs> now that you, now that you bring that up, it's actually like it's a really interesting idea. Um, I to have. So, okay, so we've talked about it. We, the, the core of the Rays, the core of the Rays pit prospects coming up are the, like, the three-headed, the three-headed dragon. It's Willie Adamas, Brent Honeywell, and Jake Bowers. Now, you can rank those guys however you want in order of, like, importance or whatever, but those three people are, are players that the Rays are valuing so incredibly highly and are going to be major. They're going to have to be successful in the majors for, if the Rays are going to be successful for a long time. Those three guys have been promoted, you know, they've been playing together for a while. Um, It's, it's, I I wonder if, if it's less of an idea. I think certainly that winning a playoff and winning that, winning the postseason in, in AAA is fun. And especially for the players, it's, it's like maybe a great building experience. It's a, it's a team exercise in that way. Uh, that's very vague, but you kind of know what I mean. Like it's a team building <laughs> exercise. Like you said, you build towards a goal and you built it and you, and you achieve it. Um, it almost makes me wonder if that, <laughs> this is just an idea I kind of even just had right now, but one of the things you'll hear about the Rays and, and, and people who criticize the Rays is that very often there's a lack of a kind of a core group with the team. Only one mm-hmm. that's really stuck around for the longest time is Evan Longoria, right? We've got people saying, oh, you're letting not signing David Price or James Shields or longer contracts or you're trading away Will Myers who, you know, I mean, I was whatever that was, you know, James Shields, whatever you, you got all these people that, oh, these People are the people that you built up and you want to have a core around, but you're getting rid of them. And, you know, there's tons of reasons why that line of argument is wrong and some that are valid. Some reasons that it is kind of like, well, maybe you shouldn't do that. But the Rays, for the most part, have had Evan Longoria is their longest tenured player. And then after him, uh, I actually I don't even know. It's probably uh, maybe it's Chris Archer. I'm spitballing. I'm not sure. I haven't. Yeah, I think I think it would be I would imagine Archer. Um, yeah, old man Archer. You, you keep talking. I'll, I'll I'll take it out. But so <laughs> I, I, it's it's interesting in that like I could see the Rays wanting to actually now that they have these like three players that look to be by all metrics going to be you know successful major leaguers. Who knows how well? I mean, you know who how accurate those things are. But they're probably going to be pretty successful. I kind of like that they're keeping them together. And now that you mentioned that sort of like, you know, core community, it makes me wonder if Brent Honeywell's sort of like re- consistent insistence 
that he be promoted and his side-eyed Twitter thing that he's like, hey, I don't know, I just want to, I'm ready to go to the majors. These guys want to be in the majors their entire life. I love it. It's awesome. You want that kind of drive. But it is a little weird that, you know, why not, uh, why not want to finish the playoffs? Why not want to finish what you started in that case? And, and mm-hmm. I only bring that up because you can kind of contrast that sentiment to what Willie Adamas is doing. Because by all accounts, by all scouting reports, Willie Adamas is like, one of the greatest team leaders in the clubhouse or whatever. And he's a, like a, he's got 80 grade personality and he's got 80 grade work ethic and that kind of thing. And he's like a future, he's, he's like a pivot around which an entire team can rotate. And I think like the Rays might actively be trying to keep Adamus Bowers and Honeywell kind of together because, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but sometimes it's hard when you have a team that you love and you follow and, you know, it, it's the way of the world. A lot of the star players, a lot of players you love have to go. I mean, I, my favorite player in baseball history was Ben Zobrist. Um, I loved him not even bef- when he was traded in 2005 for Aubrey Huff, uh, <laughs> for Aubrey Huff and Mitch Talbot. I met him um, once and he is like also one of the most genuine people you'll ever meet. He's a, a legitimately wonderful human being. And when he broke out in 2009, I was like, yes, I was on this train before everyone else was. I'm ahead of it. <coughs> So that made me feel good. And when he was traded uh, for, <coughs> excuse me, when he was traded for Daniel Robinson and Junaskovar or John Jason or whatever the trade was, I, it's crushing because I, I wanted Ben Zobris to be a Ray forever. But of course, it's just not how it's going to work. I mean, I know he loved the city, but he has a family to support and he wanted to, you got to make enough money while you can to support your family for the rest of your life. And good on him. And I, I love him for it. I would love to see a core prospect lineup for the Rays come up play together for a while who knows what will happen maybe that's that's kind of what the Chicago Cubs did a couple years ago their talent you know was better than uh, their prospects were you know more valued and and probably like of a higher pedigree than the Rays these these three guys are but the Cubs are doing pretty well right now and I, I would be willing to bet that the Rays are taking a few lessons from that kind of thing to keep I think the the value of keeping guys together is pretty high and and maybe I'm wrong, but that's just a, an idea that I think might be sort of driving behind the race front office. I think that's uh, so just to, to get to what you mentioned it, Alex Cobb, if you want to count um, debut, he was uh, he's the second uh, longest tenured. He has Archer by about a year on that, but Archer, okay. um, has played a lot <laughs> for the race. Yeah, old because, man Archer. Yeah. Because, um, unfortunately, Cobb's career has been, you know, riddled with injuries yeah. uh, for his career. Freak so in, Freak injuries. Like, injuries you no one yeah. could ever play. Yeah, not so much like, you know, his head doesn't really have, like, a, a magnet. So you can't really blame him for getting smashed in the head or random other things. Like, yeah. But, um, so Archer has uh, 300 more innings with the, with the Rays. So I, I would say Archer is pretty much... You know, Cobb and Archer are the next the next two. Um, mm-hmm. So oddly enough, though, Cobb is just a year older than Archer, and it feels like they're they feel yeah. like they're like a solid like eight years apart. Yeah, it um, really does. <laughs> I know. I it, you know, Archer has a very young young uh, face, I guess, and Cobb has like this always seemingly just angry. He has like a grumpy old man face. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's a bulldog, as people say. I know he he is. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's talk about the Durham Bulls because 
you know, the Rays are not doing well right now. It's been a very disappointing season. Uh, but the Durham Bulls have had a fantastic year. Um, they have won the Governor's Cup. They have won their league uh, with a defeat over the Scranton Wilkes-Barre uh, Yankees AAA affiliate. Um, 6-4 victory in game four. And they are going to play one more game this year, a one-game uh, single elimination for all the the jewels, maybe? I don't know. What do you get in the minor leagues? A couple get, of Bud uh, Lights? You don't, you don't get jewels. You get, you get marbles, I think. You get jeweled yeah. marbles. Jeweled marbles. A uh, whole bunch of pogs. Just a, a bunch of, pog, of rare a, pogs. A lot of alf pogs. <laughs> uh, so... Um, it takes everything of me not to to make a Millhouse reference there. Um, yeah, I know. I'm trying. I'm trying to. <laughs> uh, so right now, actually, they're who they're going to face is either going to be the Memphis Redbirds or the El Paso Chihuahuas, the uh, Cardinals and Padres affiliates, respectfully. Okay. Um, the Redbirds would be the Cardinals affiliates, if that's kind of on the nose. Um, oh, so the the Memphis uh, the Cardinals affiliate are leading El Paso three to one. It's in the bottom of the eighth, uh, and that's uh, game five. So the winner of that will f- take on Durham tomorrow night. Uh, so that'll be exciting. Uh, Durham is always good; like they are always good. Um, since two thousand and two, they have won uh, five with this year five league championships. Um, they've lost in the league finals, uh, uh, four other times in that series, in that span. So in that span of 15 years, that's nine times they've been either the league champs or lost in that league championship game. That's good. That's a dynasty. That is a legitimate triple A dynasty. That's unbelievable. They're just basically there every single year. Um, a lot of credit that, to that should go to third base coach Charlie Montoyo, who from 2007 to 2014 was the uh, Bulls manager and uh, brought him to the finals uh, in all but two or three. So two, two of his of his seasons. So he was in the finals, either winning it or losing it. Every single year, except for twice. Uh, that's really good. I mean, that's, you know, in that time. So 2007, that's sort of the start of the Tampa Bay Rays era. They're sort of a uh, dominant run in the in the regular season, winning uh, the AL East, going to the postseason, making in the World Series in 2008. Uh, so it was one of those years where, you know, perhaps if they would have actually kept David Price down in 2008, uh, Charlie Montoya wouldn't have lost in the league championship. He would have won it. Uh, instead, David Price was just, I don't know, being this guy recording the last out in game seven of the ALCS to send the Rays on to the World Series. Like, uh-huh. who did that? Triple A flags fly forever. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, right now, Jared Sandberg, um, former Rays prospect, uh, is now the Durham manager. And yeah, so this is a Durham dynasty. The Bulls have been great. And I make that joke about uh, David Price. You know, he gets called up late in the season and, and the Bulls kind of lose late because that's a, you know, that's a big piece to lose late in the season. Is having a dynasty in AAA when your major league team isn't also a dominant team, is that a good thing? 
Or is that a bad thing? Gosh, I don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's, it's objectively a bad thing to have a dynasty in AAA. Um, what it might speak to again is a, is a, a focus on maybe what we were talking about about before wanting people to sort of finish what they start and following through and sort of like a playoff atmosphere. Um, that said, you know, you guys are in AAA so that they can make it to the majors and it's the sort of, it is, it's like an interesting dynamic. I, I definitely don't think it's a, it's a bad thing, but after a while, I mean, it, it is kind of fitting. It's like you're a AAA monster, but then if you, you know, your, your affiliate is a AAA monster, but if you, can't get it done in the majors. It's a shame. It is like it actually, like it's so fitting. It's like crash Davis. It's a crash Davis mm-hmm. home triple a home run record. Right. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, I don't want to say like a consolation prize because you know, Durham, the Durham bull people in Durham love the bulls. It's an incredibly popular minor league team. You know, people have a lot of pride there for it, and and the players certainly are very proud of like these. I mean, they should be. Everything that done that Charlie Montoya was doing when he was there. I mean, they they've worked really hard for this. But gosh, I mean, you you, you kind of hope that it's it's not like a, a something where, where where these players simply can't perform at a major league level. And I don't I don't think that's the case because the Rays have had very successful ones. But it does sort of speak to this focus on keeping your guys you know, down a little longer than maybe other teams might. I think it definitely, yeah, I don't don't know if you can call it a bad thing. Um, But acquiring talent and stockpiling talent is not a bad thing. I think it might call into question the raise process a little bit. And I think that's, you know, that's worth uh, examining. So, yeah, are the Rays so dominant in AAA? Or is the Durham Bowl so dominant in AAA because the Rays are, again, not calling up a guy like Brett Honeywell, not calling up Willie Adamas, who who absolutely could have and, and should have been called up this season uh, after the deadline. That would have hurt the Durham Bulls. They would have probably not won, or maybe they would have, um, but it would have helped the Rays front off, or it would help the Rays right now. Right. Is that – I think there there is something to talk about there. There is something to that. I think one thing, though, one element of this dynasty, because it wasn't just sort of that, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009, like, dynasty where a lot of the, the Rays' top prospects were coming up. Uh, they've been really consistent all throughout. And the last few years, the Rays have had a pretty lean, like, top prospect. You know, we, we've had – we've talked a lot about how – uh, how bad those drafts were um, yeah. once the Rays were starting to pick, you know, in the end of the first, you know, we have uh, Blake Snell from one of those drafts. We have like nobody else from that, from Blake Snell's draft in, and, and yeah. the Rays had multiple firsts and multiple seconds. You have guys like Josh sale who flamed out spectacular, spe- like, just, you know, you couldn't have burned out like harder, faster or dumber than, yeah. than that, than that uh, trash monster. Um, which if you guys don't know, and why should you, why should you even care? Uh, Josh sale power hitter, um, who didn't really hit for power in the minor leagues. Who's a high school guy who, uh, just looked like the kind of guy your sister brings home who, uh, immediately asks your whole family to borrow money. That's, that was Josh sale. And 
he he got in trouble um, for a number of things. But one of the the kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back was he got kicked out of a strip club for throwing change at um, at at, uh, at dancers. It and, sounds, it's like a bad uh, team <laughs> comedy. Yeah, so like like obviously a real real classy guy, great great guy. Then afterwards, decided to double down on that one to be like uh, basically post online. And actually, I think that's maybe even how it like it got back to the team because he basically posted online whining about getting kicked out of this this um, exotic uh, you know gentlemen's club. For diplomatic way of saying that, I yeah, I've decided to to you know class it up because I want to take the high road because it's too crowded with Josh Sale on the low road. Uh, <laughs> he basically took he basically took to Facebook uh, to say like you know this dancer should have been should have been happy I'm giving her money at all. And it's like wow this guy what yeah. a what a what a gem. Um, so bad player um, who do wasn't very good who also was a bad attitude. And he gets cut. So that that was maybe like, you know, we had less spectacular busts, um, but he was like kind of encapsulated those years. The Durham Bulls were still good in that time. And and that sort of comes to something else the Rays have been really good at, which is, I think, a good process, which is stockpiling a lot of rebound um, veterans, getting a lot of guys on sort of cheap prove-it contracts, minor league deals with with big money incentives, I mean, big money, like maybe a million or two, um, but like big kickers to potentially make the club and, and do things like that. The Rays brought in guys like Tommy Hunter uh, on those type of deals, and he's done really well. The Rays have also brought in guys like, well, the, all the guys that started the other day against Chris Sale, you know, Cesar Puello, uh, Danny Espinosa. We've also had guys like Shane Peterson, who who has, who's done really well in uh, his brief, uh, you know, kind of appearances in the majors. Um, he's, you know, he's been bounced around. You have guys like, uh, Will Rhymes, Alan Krause, uh, Mark Krause, who, who even knows? Nobody even knows enough to know what his real first name is. All of these like random collection of, uh, kind of, uh, of misfit toys that the Rays brought in as sort of quad a depth, you know, guys that could be in, in Durham and then come up to the majors, fill in for a couple weeks when, you know, uh, somebody's down for an injury, and they've they've worked out well. So the Bulls have not only had some really great prospects that the Rays have been re- hesitant to call up. The Rays have also had a lot of those kind of pretty good veteran ball players who, you know, aren't maybe great enough to to have that solidified role on the bench of a major league team, but a guy useful enough to to play important roles. Uh, like, you know, Dan Johnson, for instance. I mean, he, he's a guy that's, you know, bounced around. He delivered one of the biggest hits in franchise history, you know, after getting a shuttle call from, from Durham. So it's, it's a, it's a mix of both. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Like you said, I, I do think though, it's something to think about for our process is, are we sacrificing major league wins for minor league experiences? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I wonder. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a question of that kind of process, right? Like the Rays, like you said, do focus on the quad A guys and the veterans, and makes you wonder how well those veterans. I mean, they succeed in Durham until they're hopefully called up or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I I think it it might even just speak to the way that the 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 kind of free agents that the Rays front office tend to go for. 
You know, I mean, you, you, you named a bunch of names. I'm also thinking of Joey Butler, you know, who did mm-hmm. had a really nice stint in the majors for a while. But then I guess the race seemed to give up on him, uh, which was disappointing for some people on the blog, myself included. But I guess understandable. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just the sort of the sort of organizational culture that the Rays are sort of creating. And, and maybe that works really, really well in AAA. Uh, it works. It clearly works very, very well in AAA. But then transitioning that talent to the majors might be a slightly different problem. Yeah, I. It's interesting. I don't. Very, I don't know. Like it's the, honestly like we. I don't think either one of us have the answer because it's this question that's a very like broad and, and serious question. I, I think that the biggest hint that it's not just oh good prospects is that it's because that when the Rays had a really thin farm system in 2013 and 2012 mm-hmm. whatever the Durham Bulls were still incredibly successful so if you don't have homegrown prospects you've got guys you're taking from other teams or rule five picks or something or you've got people you're signing veterans you're signing and that's something that they're clearly focusing pretty hard on and I, I don't know I mean that, that that's awesome for for Triple it's very successful and that and it builds that up but so far the success to the major league level has been you know, it's not non-existent, of course, but boy, it seems like, I mean, of course, Kevin Kiermaier was a 30th round pick or something and he worked his way up, but man, it's <laughs> not, it's not the, it hasn't been as successful as we might've expected. It, it really hasn't. And, but I think the, the success of Durham, having that depth, having all of that success, having all of these, um, you know, all this talent right there, I think this is there's a negative to it of like, you know, kind of really bummer that they're not playing in the majors right now, but there is absolutely just positive about that. And that's that the Rays are, they're not, their, their window is not closing. Um, we've yes. talked about teams like the Kansas city Royals. They, this playoff push, this has got to hurt so much more for the Kansas city Royals and the Rays. Cause this window it, it's shutting and it just is it's a crushing shot because they're going to lose. Like they're not going to be a good team next year. They're going to lose some of the core of that team uh, to free agency. And that minor league system is possibly the worst in all of baseball. Yeah. So that think about that. Like that's the, something that I, I think as Rays fans, it's very easy to be like, it's this has been a really bummer of a year. We've had so many good things to look back on. And when we look back on the season, I think there is a lot of positives to take from it. You know, yeah. Jacob Faria is a huge one. What's what Blake Snell is doing right now is a huge thing to build on. Yes. Uh, you know, Susan and Dickerson, all that. But this is a bummer of a, a, a last stretch. We should feel disappointed. It is absolutely justified to be really, really ticked off about how this season's gone. But just, you know, watch Durham on Tuesday night and, there's three guys there that are going to be up in the majors in the next two years for the Rays. And, yeah. you know, what happens after that? Who knows? But right now, that's just promise. And that promise is so, so bright. And that's something that, you know, teams like the Royals that are in this wild card race with us, they don't really have. Uh, that's something that, you know, Baltimore with Machado potentially leaving soon maybe they're going to take a step back. Like the Rays are, while, while they're not, you know, maybe there this year, they have so much ready to go that, 
that that window is not even like close to shut. It just opened. Like yeah. this year, this year was sort of like, uh, you know, let's see what we do. It got disappointed because we got that those hopes up. Um, but like the window is just opening. We're gonna lose guys like Alex Cobb, and maybe we'll trade like Jake Odorizzi. But like that's potentially being replaced by you know J- Jacob Faria, Blake Snell, Brent Honeywell. Um, you know, uh, you have guys like Yarborough, Chirinos, uh, all in Durham that have performed really well. And mm-hmm. yeah, like it's 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 tough to be optimistic now. But like, just if you want to feel good, just look at the Kansas City Royals. Uh, you know, who's on the free agent market, and then look at their minor league system. And then look at the Rays minor league system. Then look back to the Royals. <laughs> then back to the Rays. And enjoy. And enjoy the <laughs> feeling that comes after that. Yeah, I think you said it best. Uh, I don't even have much to add because it, it is – there is optimism for sure. And the window is definitely opening. We've still got a lot of our core guys. we got Longo and Kiermaier and Archer still doing well. I mean, that's it's, it's super successful. They're holding down the fort. Um, I – the future is bright. Especially, it's hard because, you know, this season, we saw we thought, like, I, a lot of us thought that the Rays would do well, and then they did do very well for a while, and then they kind of tanked. Um, but the future is very bright. I think that Blake Snell's improvement this year is actually going to carry over into next year's. Um, I think, I, I know at the end of the year, last year, he did pretty well. He was pretty successful, but... Boy, this year it looks like he's he's taken a, a he's he's growing and his he's maturing and his stuff is even better and he's finally pitching to like to contact into the zone and there's a lot and, and if he can get that done he could be you know he's could be I think someone in the in the Slack chat said if he's that good he could be Scott Casimir but if he's really really bad he could end up being Scott Casimir. <laughs> That was uh that that was Nomo. That was that was John Ford and That was John, yeah, that's that, that's like the that's a great line. It's a great it's a great line. And uh yeah, no, that's that's Blake Snell. He's Scott Casimir or he's Scott Casimir. Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that's that's where we should kind of leave it. Um disappointing end of the season, disappointing that it's over. Now comes uh let's see what what uh, the last 12 games go, maybe the Rays make a little bit of a noise and, and get to that 500. It would be really nice to be at 500. Um, I don't think like one or two spots in the draft matters as much as that other arbitrary number of 82 yeah. wins versus 81 versus 80. Absolutely. Um, I would much rather get like a winning season than, you know, get a player who, you know, <laughs> there's a slightly better chance he'd make the majors at, you know, pick 15 or whatever. Somebody that will, at least maybe we can get somebody that throws like dollars at exotic dancers in Florida oh, and, God. and not <laughs> hard currency. Um, so, <laughs> and you know, there also will be, again, it's not going to be Brett Honeywell. Don't ever, don't even like get the thought. Don't even dream about it, but it's not going to be Brett Honeywell. But there are going to be some interesting guys that get called up for like the last uh, like twelve games. Possibly Jamie Schultz, who was probably going to get the call up out of uh, like first couple weeks of the season uh, before he he kind of uh, had a groin injury and then had a couple injury setbacks. Um, but Jamie Schultz is a really exciting reliever who could be a very high leverage reliever next year. Um, mm-hmm. You have guys like him. Uh, Ryan Stanek and Jose Alvarado, who all look fantastic. Right. Great, oh, man. 
great movement. Like really like these guys look sort of like Alex Colomay did like three years ago where you're mm-hmm. sort of like, huh, there, there's something there. This, there might be something here. Uh, and, and we'll see, this is like right on the precipice of that. So I'd love to see Jamie Schultz come up. Um, you know, we'll probably get Daniel Robertson back and, and like those type of things. But one, one guy, we're, we're going to end it with this one, one guy that I would love to see get called up is, uh, Johnny Ventures. Mm-hmm. So, so Brett, can you maybe like help us out, help, help our viewers out if you, if you don't uh know who johnny ventures is or maybe you heard the name um what what is johnny ventures story and why would it be like the thing of a disney movie if he if he pitches so johnny ventures story is incredible um you don't need to know too much about it other than he was a, he came up with the Braves, if I'm not mistaken, and he threw 97, 98. He's a super incredible power picture pitcher. He's great. And then he, you know, has to get, he, like many power pitchers in the, especially in that era, he had to get Tommy John surgery. So Johnny Venters goes, gets Tommy John surgery, you know, um, waits out a year, comes back. While he's rehabbing, or maybe it was, maybe it was, it was later, I'm actually not sure, but he ends up needing to get, Another Tommy John surgery. He tears his UCL or ACL, a, not ACL, it's UCL. I should know this stuff. I'm in medical school for God's sake. He, <laughs> he, he ruins his UCL, so he has to get it again. And then he has to get it again. Now, at this point, Johnny Ventures has been playing in baseball for, oh, God, like seven years, maybe eight years, and he's been healthy for two or three of them. It's insane, the poor guy. And after his fourth surgery, am I right on that? Is it fourth? I think he's. I think he's only up to. I think this was the third. I think he has not. Okay. I don't know if he has any more ligaments left to go. He's on his fourth ligament, is what I'm yes. thinking. Because yes. after his third Tommy John surgery, yes, he's on his fourth ligament. There are no. You know, maybe you don't know this. There are no more ligaments in the body that they can really use like Tommy John surgery is where they take ligament in your leg and put it in your arm. Like they do more than that. It's not just like playing with Legos, but that's the (laughs) crux of the Tommy John surgery. And Johnny Ventures is like out of ligaments. There's no, there's nothing. They're scraping the bottom of the barrel for this guy. And you know, he, he, he signed with the race. He's been kind of working his way up through the, um, minors by all accounts. He's, got a good bit of his speed back. I don't know if he's throwing as hard as he was before. Maybe that's a good thing. Um, but Johnny Venters was called, called up to Durham a month or two ago, and he's pitching well. And it's possible that after three Tommy John surgeries, this guy who was pitching in like the early like the early 2000s might be making a comeback with another major league team after having to go through so many often career-ending surgeries after going through three of them, he might be able to make it back in the majors. And maybe, possibly, if we're if the baseball gods are truly merciful and just, he might be pitching a couple meaningful innings for the Rays in September. What? And, um, I mean, we've seen, you might have seen the rookie. The rookie is nothing compared to Johnny Venters, like the living, the $6 million man. It's, it's incredible. So, like, Johnny Venters, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, it's it's one of those stories like he, he in 2010 and 2011 with the Atlanta Braves, he threw 83 innings and then 88 innings in relief. He was unbelievable. He was worth one and a half wins uh, on Fangraph's uh, war and one point four 
each of those years. Just like beastly stuff. ERA's under two. Um, he was a phenomenal lefty flamethrowing guy. Looked like an absolute stud. You know, you had guys like Johnny Venters and Craig Kimbrell with the Braves. And these were like, this is like an elite, uh, elite um, bullpen. And then the injuries happened, like you said. And that was 2010, 2011. He had some injuries in 2012. And the next time he's like actually able to pick up a baseball for a minor league team is last year, 2016, with the Rays in single A. And then he injures it again after four innings. Like that's that's just like heartbreak. Like that's a guy. Like after that many years, that's six years of just being injured. <laughs> like like that's like you're not only just not in the sport, you're just out in the woods. Um, but he is he is now like pitched you know one inning at AAA in 2017. He is one step away from getting back to the majors. Since 2012, it's, it's, it's amazing. The stuff that, like baseball is about like these comeback stories. These are like classic American stories. They're amazing. I uh, it, it gets me so excited that it could happen with the Rays. Now a a uh, a very schmaltzy, overly saccharine writer would would write the fiction that the Rays are coming down to the wire. There are 80 wins. That last game against. Baltimore, they're 80 and 81 against Baltimore. They have a, a one run lead. Uh, Alex Colomay was used earlier. He blew the save, obviously. Um, uh, <laughs> but then like struck out like four guys as well. Cause it's like, Oh my God, he's so good after he blew the save. It's just like, ah, it's so frustrating. Uh, it's like the bottom of the, like the 30th. Um, nobody's left in the stands. Everybody's just so like, none of these teams are going to the postseason, So who cares? Everybody's already, uh, you know, hit the trains home. But the Rays got a lead. Uh, Cesar Puello hit a moonshot home run, uh, <laughs> obviously. And and Johnny Venters is pitching to close it out to give the Rays uh, a, 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 a non-losing season for his first save, uh, like, in a decade. That would be the overly saccharine thing. Um Baseball tends to do something more, more like sweet and beautiful and like fantastic and romantic. So it's probably going to get something even better than that uh, because baseball tends to to write better fiction live uh, than than even the best writers can. So I would love to see, you know, this year or next year or just any time. I would love to see Johnny Ventures pitch in the major leagues again. I mean, like, this guy has tried so hard. He's worked so hard. Like, if there is a baseball god, like, please let him. Let him. Let this guy have at least a few more innings uh, before you cruelly take his last ligaments. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, hopefully hopefully that would be an amazing story down the stretch. Um, I don't know if he will. I don't know if uh, the Rays will just bring him back next year. I don't know what's going to happen with Johnny Ventures, but... If you don't know, uh, Brett now lets you know. And it's a story. We're spreading the gospel of Johnny Ventures. It's one of the best baseball stories that, you know, once it actually happens, will be like an ESPN 30 for 30 short that Mm. you'll watch later on and and get get a little teared up. 
you'll get a little teared up. So watch it live. Um, so eventually that's going to happen. Hopefully. I, I hope so, so much. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's, that's pretty much the rest of this year. We're kind of, you know, running out to the end of the season. And as mm-hmm. much as it feels like, you know, you just want this season to end, to be over with, then no baseball happens yeah. for a while. And that's a, that's, no baseball is the worst time of the year. That's like just the worst. So, yeah, yeah no I mean. No baseball is so much worse than bad baseball. It really is. It really, really is. While the Rays have been, you know, kind of struggling, I've I've also been really paying attention to the uh, Cleveland Indians win streak um, and watching those games, especially when they won uh, the 22nd game and they came back with two outs in the ninth, down one, and, and Lindor hits a game-tying double. Like, that, like, right there, you know, it, like, it, it's, it's, it erases, like, the, like, the, oh, miserable, like, you know, Rays suck, oh, this is terrible. It just erases that, and you're just like, I love baseball. And, again, <laughs> I always come back to, uh, again, a nice saccharine baseball line from Moneyball, but how can you not be romantic about baseball? Perfect. And, and Good yeah. Yeah. So even though the Rays won't be a part of October, October is, you know, that I'll watch uh, I'll watch anything. Uh, I'll watch any team beat the Red Sox in October and the Yankees. So go every other team in the American League. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I think we'll I think we'll call it quits there. Um, Brett, do you have anything uh, left to tell our folks for this week? Thanks for sticking around. If you're still hanging out, listening to the podcast, I know it's hard to listen to a podcast about a team that's that's going nowhere. But in a lot of ways, I think, and I really do mean this, I'm not just saying that to get people to come back. I think that a lot of the beauty of baseball is in those games where they, they don't seem to mean anything at the end of the year because it's a lot of playing. It's like you're playing you're playing with extra time. You know, you're playing just for the sake of it and, and it's it's the end is coming soon and you're waiting for it and you're waiting at the clock, but people still are going out there doing stuff and they're still playing and, and the game is still happening and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I get super wistful around this this time of year anyway, and when I think of baseball head heading away and the uh the end of the year it, it's rough. So thanks for sticking around. Um thanks for following the team, even though it's, you know, again, incredibly hard to do it. <laughs> <laughs> This, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad everybody endures. Those that have endured, you get special credit. Yes. Um, so thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be uh, we'll be back. Eventually we're going to be, you know, once the off season starts, we'll have some other really fun special episodes and, and different like formats. And and we'll maybe even do uh, we'll bring in Danny as well as me and Brett to have the 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 holy trinity oh of uh, raised podcasters. Yeah. This will be some the great core stuff. Group, the core of the future. The core group. This is the future. Yeah. This is this is uh dibs on Willie Adamas. You can get I'm, I'm Honeywell. Honeywell. I'm Honeywell. I'm hundred percent Honeywell. Danny, Danny can be uh light tower bowers. <laughs> We've given it to him. Um so thanks everybody for listening all throughout the season. We're gonna have more episodes. This isn't like a sign off, but uh <laughs> but just you know, but do I we do really appreciate every uh all of Everybody that listens to this podcast, um, it, it really makes it all worthwhile. Uh, if you guys do like us um, and you're just listening to the first time, please give us a, a rating on iTunes. Uh, throw throw us a comment. Um, follow us. 
on Twitter. Um, and check out D-Rays Bay. Again, I really want to underline uh, Jim Turvey's uh, sort of acceptance article because uh, it's really, really good. And it's it's a good bit of therapeutic reading. So yeah. uh, check that out, and uh, we will see you next time. The Hit Show is produced and engineered by Dustin Klingman. Make sure to check out all the newest and latest news about the Rays on DRaysBay.com. Check us out at DRaysBay on Twitter and, of course, DRaysBay on Facebook.